Let's go to God's Word today. Let's pick up where we left off. How many of you remember where we left off? It's been a couple of weeks where I had just shared with you the story of Peter. You remember Peter had this wonderful, powerful moment of declaring, Jesus, you are the Christ. And Jesus said, Peter, you are a rock. And then the next thing you know it, Peter becomes a devil. Because Jesus shares his plan of salvation, and Peter says, no, you can't do that. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Now, this portion of Scripture that I want to read to you today starts off by saying eight days later. So let's see if eight days later Peter is, has learned his lesson or if he's back at it again. So from Luke chapter 9, verse 28 says, about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And he was praying, and as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see, and they were speaking about his exodus from this world which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Verse 32 says, Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. I want to pause there. There was a couple of phrases in that song that talked about, you know, stir, shake up my, my traditions. Break down the walls of my religion. And this story is in the Word of God. And this is one of those stories, I think, that can shake up the ground. I believe it can kind of break down the walls of religion. And this is what, that, what we mean by that here when we sing this song. And what I believe that song is telling me, and I would share it with you, is that we can, as individuals, get in a routine. We can get in comfortable routines. And, um, you know, I've seen a couple of my pastor friends quote some things that are happening in Afghanistan, and that there are believers in Afghanistan, and they are running for their lives. And as, you know, Tara kind of alluded to this, that we are, we're very comfortable. Nobody is running from their life today because you came to church. All of you are going to walk to your car, go out to eat, you're going to enjoy. You're not going to look behind your back thinking, who saw me at church? Are they going to kill me? There are believers in Afghanistan who are doing that. They are watching their back. And we have to be conscious of that. We cannot ignore that reality. Those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so for you and for me today, we can get comfortable in our routines. And sometimes you get a story like this that kind of shakes the ground. Because God is an all-powerful God. He is glorious. He is all-powerful. And, you know, there are things in our churches that we look at and they're comfortable to look at. But if God were to come down in His glory, we would be, we would be um, you know, just in awe. We wouldn't know what to do. Do you understand how great God is? He is great. We sing about that. How great is His love. God is not just this little person that you put in a box and you open it up on Sundays and you say, oh, He is all-powerful. And in this story, we get a glimpse, and Peter, James, and John, they got a glimpse of the glory of God, how glorious 
he is. And why are there people in Afghanistan that are believers? They are facing death. Why are they still serving Jesus? Because they have a glimpse of his glory. Paul told, told us, he said, you will face trials, but the glory that awaits you cannot be compared. That's why people give their lives. That's why there's martyrs all over the world, because they understand the glory of God. And sometimes we can lose sight of the glory of God. Now in this story, we see a picture of how glorious Jesus is. His clothes became dazzling white. His face was transformed. And when they woke up, they saw this and they were amazed at this. Now I want to make one quick point about this. Prayer. Prayer is so important. I want to tell you today, Jesus wants you to pray. He invites you to pray. We need to be praying more than ever before. Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he uh, was teaching them to pray. Uh, it was about a month ago I shared this message with you. If you recall, remember Jesus? He had just received news that his cousin, John the Baptist, was murdered. And he went to pray. And I, I shared with you the importance that Jesus was teaching his disciples that we need to be in prayer when difficulties happen. Now, there may not be difficulty in your life, but is there difficulty in our world? Yes. So we need to follow the example of Christ and we need to be in prayer. Now, in this story, there's no apparent tragedy that's happened. And yet, Jesus is still praying. And I just wanted to point out the obvious, that he had a prayer life. Jesus, the Son of God, on earth, had a prayer life. He didn't have just a time where he went to prayer one day a week or maybe two days a week. He had a prayer life. And I have to encourage you today, if you're a believer in Christ, you will need to develop a prayer life. And Jesus is inviting you to pray. Now, Jesus doesn't love Peter, James, and John more than he loves you. And he wants to do the same. He wants to invite you. He wants to take you up on a mountain. Yes, that's a figurative statement. But he figuratively wants to take you to a mountain, to a place of prayer. He wants to take you to a place of seclusion so that you can hear his voice, so that you can talk to him. And I want to encourage you to pray. I shared four things, and we had a wonderful summer of prayer. We prayed on Wednesday nights through the summer, and I shared four things. I shared, in order to develop our prayer life, we need desperation, we need desire, we need determination, we need dependency. And if you want to work in your prayer life, ask yourself, am I desperate? And I can tell you, I am desperate this morning. I'm desperate for people who are hurting. Uh, yesterday, I saw this news report. There was this uh, news channel that uh, they had sent this helicopter to Haiti. And they were going to areas of Haiti that the government had not even gotten to. The, the government had not, they're not even aware of that, their situation. But because of this organization and this news agency, they were able to get in a helicopter. And they had word that there were certain areas. And so sure enough, they land. These people had no food. They had no clean water. Their buildings were demolished. And the government had not shown up. That brings desperation I want to pray and say, God, I'm desperate for them. Desire, do you, do you want God to work in your life? Do you want God to work in our country? Do you have a desire 
to see people help. And then are you determined? I'm determined. I'm going to keep praying because prayer isn't easy. Look what happened in this story. Jesus' prayer life put these disciples to sleep. Think about that. Think about that. And I think about that because there are times as a leader, of course I'm wanting people to pray. And I might get a little bit frustrated, I'm just being honest, when, you know, you could have a prayer meeting and maybe ten people show up, two people show up. But then I remind myself, well, here was the Son of God on a mountain praying and they fall asleep. So this is what I know about prayer. It's not easy. You need determination. It's easy to be distracted. It's easy to get to be tired. It's easy to say, I don't got time to pray. I understand all of those things. So sometimes we just need to be determined. I'm going to pray today. I'm going to seek God. And finally, just I depend on God. I need God more than anything. I just wanted to share that reminder. We need to be in prayer. Let me finish the story. Verse 33 says this. So they wake up. They see what's happening. Verse 33 says, As Moses and Elijah were standing, starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them, and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice finished, finished, and Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. That is powerless. You know, we, we can read stories about Jesus teaching. Oh, it's beautiful. We can even read stories about Jesus healing the sick. Oh, I love those stories. But this is one of those stories where we have to open up our eyes and understand we serve a great God. We serve an almighty God. We serve an all-powerful God. We serve a glorious God. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. It hasn't even entered into our thoughts who God really is, His greatness, His magnitude. And He is just great. And I want us to be you know, brought to that place of awareness again of how great is our God. But in this story, Peter is at it again. That's, I, I want to get to this one point, and then I'll, I'll get to my final. I just have two, kind of two main points here. Peter's at it again. And he said, did you pick up on that verse? It said, Peter, not even knowing, Peter, even, not even knowing what he's saying, blurted out. So here he goes again. Eight days later, Peter hasn't learned his lesson. Peter, now Peter had some very important leadership qualities. It's good and it's important as a leader to speak. I think if I were to walk up here and just stand up here and not say anything, I think eventually over the weeks, this building would be empty. So I think it's important as leaders that we have the capability of speaking. Peter had that ability to speak what was on his mind, and that was an important leadership quality. The problem was what was on his mind. That was the problem. 
He had no problem speaking his mind, but what was on his mind was his problem. And he just blurted out whatever was on his mind. And what was coming out of Peter's mouth was a spiritual immaturity. What was coming out of Peter's mouth was still a lack of understanding of what Jesus was trying to accomplish. What Peter was saying was this. When he woke up and he saw this glorious, I mean, again, just try to put yourself there. I've never seen, you know, that transfiguration take place in my life. I've never seen, you know, a vestige of God's glory in my life. I have felt this presence. I have seen people healed. I have been physically healed before. But to say I saw this transformation that, that no scientist can explain. You know, if the scientists were there, how would they explain Jesus' clothes turning white? How do you explain Moses and Elijah? They've been dead for thousands of years. How do you explain that they just show up? You can't explain it. You can't explain God. We have an unexplainable God when it comes to science because he created science. And when he says science caused, science causes. And only God can do that. And so in this moment, Peter, he sees the glory, the glory of God. And so now he's thinking, ah, we got this. This is what I'm talking about, the glory of God. This is what's going to bring the Romans down. And so in his mind, he thinks, all right, Jesus, this is good. This is good. You're, this is good that we're here. How about we set up shop here? And in Peter's mind, he's thinking, if we just set up here, when the Romans come by, we're going to say, you know, bring it on. Look who we got. I've got Moses. I've got Elijah. Look at Jesus. We, we're going to set up shop. All of those Pharisees and those Sadducees that have, been, that have been discrediting you and that have been denying you, Jesus, once we set up shop, they're going to see your glory and they're going to all know how great you are. I've thought that before. Have you thought that before? I've thought that before. I've been like, God, if you would just literally run the heavens, come down, man, you would just solve so many problems. I've thought that before. God, if you would just do this miraculous thing, if you would just do that, people will have to believe in you. And Jesus, that's, that was an immature thought process because Jesus already told Peter the plan of salvation. If, if the plan was to display God's glory, Jesus could have done that. Why come in a manger? He could have came in his glory. He could have revealed his throne room. He could have shown the glory of God. But Jesus said, that's not the way. This is the plan, Peter. I must die on the cross. I must be despised. I must be bruised. I must be hated. That's the only way that salvation will come. And in that salvation, then my glory will be revealed. So Peter was having a communication problem. Now I have to ask you this question. Do you know what you're saying? Peter was, Peter was speaking. He didn't even know what he was saying. Do you know what you are saying? Do you really know what you are saying? Now I know I have a lot of National Honor Society members here. I know I also know this. There's a lot of high GPAs here. So I think most of you would say, well, yes, I know exactly what I'm saying. I know exactly what I mean. So here's the test. If your words are perfect, then you will never hurt anybody. You will never hurt anyone. And you will always bring glory to God. 
Now, who has never hurt anybody in their life? My hand was obviously not going up because I am not in that category. The point is we all need to work on our communication skills. I just wanted to exaggerate the point to remind you nobody is exempt. Nobody speaks perfectly. Nobody always says the right thing, myself included. We never, we're not 100%. Your words will never be perfect until you get to heaven. So we all need to work on it. So I just, really quick, I wanted to, um, I went through this really fast, but I wanted to bring back my picture. He still has a black eye. I know some of you were thinking, poor guy, still has a black eye. And um, I'm going to leave that there because you've seen this already. Is this okay, um, Mike, if I leave that there? Okay. I'm just going to leave that there and uh, the people online can still see this. I wanted to just go over this one more time because it's so important, so valid. I felt like it. I kind of went through it really quick. And this story brings me to a... uh, something else in addition to this. Let's go through this really quick. I want to use a different scenario. All right. Most of you know this already. So this is what happens. This is a a cycle that happens in our communication. This is a wife. She has the thought, I want to go for a stroll on the Magnificent Mile and walk the beach this Friday. She has that thought. She has this thought, but she wants to speak it to her husband. But before she speaks it, she encodes the message. So she has learned through her experiences that being direct sometimes doesn't pay off. She's learned that sometimes you have to be indirect if you want to get your way. So instead of being direct, I want a diamond ring, you might just say something, boy, some of my hands look empty or something like that. But she has the thought, I want to go downtown and I want to walk the beach. So instead of being direct, when her husband come home, comes home, she encodes that thought with her words, and she says to her husband, wouldn't it be nice to go out and get some fresh air? Now, he has just walked in the room. He hears those words. Would you like, you know, would it be nice to go get fresh air? He now decodes that message. This is on a Friday. He's been, his job, now he decodes that message based on his experiences, past and present. Presently, his job is a construction worker. He has been outside all week long working. So when he decodes her message of, do you want to get fresh air? He thinks, he decodes the message. He does not, does she not realize I've been working outside all week long? Does she not care that I've been helping, I've been bringing home the bacon Doesn't she care that all I want to do is just sit home with her and watch a movie? Doesn't she realize it? So now he's frustrated. So after he decodes, he encodes a message back to her. And out of his mouth comes, with frustration, don't you realize I've been working outside all week? Now she decodes that message, and she is not happy. So she encodes another message back to him, and she says, you're acting just like your father, and he quickly decodes that message and then codes it by saying, well, at least he knows how to cook, and then he has the black eye. Now you know how this guy got the black eye. I'm going to leave that up there for a little bit. This is constantly going on every day. Now, we're human beings. You are better than a supercomputer. Do you know that? So you don't even need to think about decoding, and you don't even need to think about encoding. You just do it automatically. That's how good you are. That's how powerful you are. The problem is this. 
you and I sometimes are like Peter. Peter was a computer too. Before computers were made, Peter was a computer. Peter did not have to think about this or this. He just had to speak. And that's what got him in trouble. What's going to get you in trouble and what's going to get me in trouble is ignoring this and ignoring that. What, think about the last argument you were in. Think about la- the last disagreement you were in. And I know some of you are pretty good, so you might have to think back a few weeks, maybe a month ago. Some of us are thinking this morning. <laughs> we're thinking last night. Think about that. And if you're smart enough, you'll start thinking, you know what, if I would have just did this better, if I would have just said that with a little bit more mercy, if I would have been more careful here in decoding that message, and this is what's happening in our society, this is where we have political issues, this is where we have racial issues, this is where we have economic issues, because people, they see a flag in somebody's, in somebody's yard, and they decode them and say, I know all about you. I know what kind of person you are already. Certain people will see skin color, and they'll say, I, I know all about you. They'll see how they're dressed. Oh, I see how you're dressed. I, I know everything about you. I know, I know what you're thinking right now. I know what you think of me based on how you dress. We, we do this decoding and encoding all the time, and we get ourselves in trouble because it's not based on love. It's not based on God's Word. It's based on our experiences. It's based on solely our human understanding and our human information. Do you realize today our world has more information than we ever had before? And do you know we are doing the best job with our information than we've ever done before? I mean, the things that man has created, and there are shows about this, and rightly so, like these amazing things, like putting ski slopes inside malls. You know, the things that man has created. You know, watches that can tell you what's coming up and that you can answer as a phone. The things that man has created. And yet our world is falling apart. So if information were to save this world, we would be saved already. But information doesn't save the world. Human wisdom doesn't save the world. All the education in the world will not save the world. It is only Jesus Christ who will save the world. And it's you and I who have the knowledge that will save the world. It's in this Word. So, I just wanted to point this out again. Now, there's a reason why I wanted to bring this up, because there's, there's one key element I didn't share when I talked about this, and it's in this story. And it's my final point uh, this morning uh, to you. Here was Peter. He, he was avoiding this. He wasn't decoding. He, he was just talking. And he got himself in trouble. Don't do that. Don't just talk. Think about your words. And there is something that will help you to think about your words. And God, and God, he spoke it. So Peter, he's just saying what he wants to say. He's just speaking his mind. And all of a sudden, God interrupts. He comes down in a cloud of glory. And all he says is, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Listen to him. Wow. So simple, and yet that is so profound. That's all God said. Listen to him. He comes in a cloud of glory. He interrupts, and all he says is, listen to him. 
And before I, 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 I get to the spiritual point of that, let me just add that practicality again. Listening will help you to do this. And the reality is, generally speaking, we are not good listeners. We do not do listening well. And I know you've heard the analogies of we have one mouth, two ears. That God was making the point that listening is more important sometimes than speaking. And so we, we easily speak. We easily talk. We easily say things. What is going on in this world today? There are people that are just saying what they want to say, and they're just saying it. They're not even thinking about it. They're hurting people. They're hurting their families. They're hurting situations. They're bringing up fights. They're bringing up arguments. And people are not listening. We, we are God's people. We need to be better listeners. And God makes the point. You think listening is important? Yes. And God makes this point because he comes down and he says, I'm going to shut this down, Peter. I'm going to shut down what you're saying. And I want you to listen. I want you to listen. We need to be listening to God. We need to hear his voice. We need to pause. That's what prayer is. Prayer is pausing and, and listening to God. I am in a room filled with a lot of smart people. And I know you don't need to listen to figure out life because you can just do it. You're smart enough to do it. There's a lot of college graduates in here. You don't have to listen to anybody else. You know what to do already. And that is the problem. The problem is we know what to do. I know exactly how to fix that problem. I know exactly what to say to that person. I know exactly what this world needs. I know exactly what the politicians need to do. I know exactly what the, the superintendent needs to do. I know exactly what that teacher needs to do. I know exactly what the owner of Walmart needs to do. I know it, we all know what everybody else needs to do, and that's the problem. The problem is nobody's not listening. The problem is we should. We should be listening, and we're not because we're just telling everybody, do this, do that, do this, do that. And nobody's listening. And I want us to pray this morning. I want us to ask God, God, help us to be better listeners. I'm going to invite the worship team up uh, this morning. I'm going to move this out of the way. We need to ask God to help us to listen. We're going to sing that last song again. And I, I want us to really have an attitude of prayer. I shared with you, that was my first point. Prayer, prayer is so important. I know there's probably more than likely some of you that praying for five minutes would be a big deal. I understand that. And that's not a problem. I'm not suggesting that that's a problem. But I can tell you this, that as I have grown closer to God, I spend more than five minutes in prayer because it's a relationship. It's a relation. I have a lot to tell him. And I also have a lot to listen. So it's okay to grow in that. And the, the, for the disciples, they grew out of that. If you read the book of Acts, they grew out of that idea of falling asleep when they prayed. They began to pray, and they began to seek God. They were in constant prayer. And I want you to, I want to encourage you today. Stand with us this, this morning. Let's sing this song, and let's, like, let's just begin to listen to God.
Let's begin to pray and ask God for his help. Lord, would you just move in our lives. Everybody's ready to talk. Everybody's ready to correct somebody. Everybody's ready to give a piece of their mind. We just want to listen to you, Lord. We want to hear your voice. Speak, Jesus. Speak, Almighty God. 